Good morning. I'm honored to uh, speak to you this morning in place of Joshua Parrish, and I'm honored that he asked me to speak in his absence. My name is Dave Schultz. I'm one of the shepherds at the Walnut Creek Church of Christ uh, in Walnut Creek, California, and it's my honor to have the opportunity to speak here this morning. My prayer is that God will speak through me to his glory. I recently read a book entitled Making a Difference. It's a book about impressive leaders of large organizations in both business and in uh, government. These are great leaders. They're great examples. These are men and women who achieve great things. These men and women are well known and well respected in their fields. Many people who know them, who worked with them, and many people who will read this book and be impressed by what they've read will try to follow their pattern and become great leaders just like them. I think the reality is though that whether we read this book or whether we're around great leaders, in fact, most of us don't try to become great leaders in our field. We try to keep our jobs. We try to get promoted and we try to make more money. We want to become better. We want to become indispensable to our organization so that uh, we have a, a long-lasting job and job security. We, we want to be well-respected, and we want to be known as honest. If we become great in the process of that, well, that's great. But how do you define great? What is great to you? Especially in terms of being a Christian, how do you define great. We may think that if we serve God in a certain way, that he'll think that we're great. Maybe if we're a, a Bible class teacher, that God will think of us as great. Or, or maybe if we're a, a church building custodian, and we're there week in, week out, week after week, month after month, year after year, maybe we'll think that God thinks we're great. Or maybe, maybe if we're a giver of money, and maybe the more money we give, the more we think that God looks at us as being great. Or maybe if we're a communion preparer, or a keeper of the church budget, or an elder, or a deacon, or a preacher, or maybe some other role in the church. But scripture calls what we consider small to be great to God. Consider the woman in Mark chapter 12 who gave two small coins to the temple. She was considered great as opposed to those who had much more money and gave much more to the, the, the temple, but who had much more left over. Or consider the sinner in, in Luke chapter 18, the sinner who prays to God to forgive him of his sins, as opposed to the man beside him who considered himself righteous and great and didn't feel he had sins to be forgiven of. Or consider the Roman centurion in Matthew chapter 8, a man who, who had great faith. Ironically enough, there's nowhere in Scripture where Jesus calls any Jew great for their faith or for anything else. Or consider those who were blessed and in Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes. All those things that we look at and say, well, they didn't achieve anything great. They didn't do anything great. They weren't great in terms of their life as a whole, maybe. 
And yet, there are qualities that they had, that they exhibited, that God considered great. Most of the people who Jesus called great had no status. Jesus often spoke about status because the people who heard and followed him were people who were concerned about their status with God. Think about uh, Luke chapter 9 and verses 46 through 48, just as an example. A short story. It says an argument started among the disciples as to which of them would be the greatest. They were concerned about their status. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child, a little child, and had him stand beside him. Then he said to them, whoever welcomes this child, this little child in my name, welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me, welcomes the one who sent me. For he who is least among you all, he is the greatest. Jesus used a, a little child to illustrate that we must receive people who have no status for the sake of Christ. This is consistent with his concern for the neglected people, for those with whom he spent most of his time in ministry. In Matthew chapter 25, and verses 31 through 46, Jesus spoke about uh, separating spiritual sheep from spiritual goats. Instead of speaking directly about status, he spoke about instead people who demonstrated God's heart. The sheep cared for the neglected people as if they were caring for Jesus himself. Jesus said that these people were accepted by God as being the greatest of people. Status is an important thing in every culture. Every culture considers it to be something of significance. In early childhood, we establish a level of status for everyone. Halfway through grade school, everyone, everyone's position is pretty well set for the rest of their lives. We know our own status and we know why. And we know the position of every person in society. Jesus was known as a friend of tax collectors and sinners, people who had no status with most righteous people. In fact, righteous Jews stayed away from such people. To welcome them was to reject God and his will as far as they were concerned. But Jesus saw these people, these people who were rejected, as the people who most needed God. Rather than seeking status for them ourselves as, as associates of the Messiah of Christ, Christians are to act just like Jesus by identifying ourselves with people who have no status and welcoming them to join us in God's kingdom. Remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 9 and verse 48? Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For he who is least among you all, he is the greatest. Those of us who conduct ourselves with the least status and who welcome people regardless of their status in a spirit of humility 
and in Christ's name, those of us who do that are the greatest Christians. So how do you treat people who are new to our assemblies? They may not know God as we do. Their worship style may be different. They may be looking to us to guide them to God. They may be looking for examples of, of godliness. In fact, they may just be looking for friendship. They may have no status with us. But Jesus says, our welcome of them is our welcome of him and of our Father God. So how would you welcome Jesus and Father God? Well, staying in, in Luke chapter 9, and going back to verse 28 and reading through verse 36, we find this. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to, to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, and when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. As the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. If you had been Peter or John or James, would you have treated Jesus differently after seeing this event? This is a, an event that you have to experience to be able to appreciate. This is unlike anything that had ever happened before or that would happen since after that. Would you have treated Jesus as, as God in the flesh after seeing this event? Would you have been forever humbled in Jesus' presence? Would you have heard his words differently from that point forward? When I was a child, I had asthma. My father constantly tried to find a climate that would help my condition, and so we moved a lot. Although the asthma went into remission when I was eight, we continued to move often. When I graduated from high school, I had gone to 13 different schools in three counties and two states. I was constantly breaking into new groups of children. And yet, through all of that, I never learned how to greet new people. It's always been difficult for me to meet strangers and, and know what to say. It doesn't matter their age. That's true even today after over 40 years in ministry and becoming an elder. 
I'd rather dig a ditch than try to start a conversation. What about you? Are you like me? I force myself to approach people, to start a conversation, or to enter into a group's conversation. But I do this because God wants every Christian to let every person know that they are welcome into his kingdom. Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 28 says of Paul, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the, the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was really a disciple. But Barnabas, Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the, the Lord had, had spoken to him and how in Damascus he preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Paul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. And Acts 18, verses 24 through 26 set, tells us, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him into their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Now, we don't know if Barnabas or Priscilla or Aquila were extroverts who found it easy to talk to strangers, or whether they were more like me, maybe like you. We do know that they took Jesus at his word and welcomed strangers without regard to, for their status. And that made them great Christians. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, and verses 47 through 48, And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Those are two powerful questions Jesus asked. And he gives one powerful command. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2 reminds us, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some people some people have entertained angels without knowing it. This verse in its brevity is a reference to something that happened in Genesis chapter 18, where the patriarch Abraham entertained some strangers who it turns out were angels. We don't know who we're blessing when we will welcome people in Jesus' name as if they were Jesus himself. May each of you welcome all people, old and new alike, as if they were our Lord. And may he count each of you to be great Christians. Bless you this week, this month, and this year.